Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Christopher Brian Mitchell, known to family and friends as Brian, was a 32-year-old living in Brandon, Mississippi in 2018. He lived with his husband, Ben, and was a well-loved hairstylist in the area with many regular clients. He not only loved doing their hair, but he enjoyed making them laugh and smile while they sat in his chair. On Saturday, May 19th, after a day of work, Brian went to visit friends in nearby Jackson, Mississippi. At 2 o'clock in the morning of May 20th, Brian made a call to his husband, Ben, but Ben didn't answer that call. Ben would never know the reason Brian had called him at that hour. In fact, Brian Mitchell would never be seen or heard from again. Where is Christopher Brian Mitchell? And welcome back to the Where Are They podcast, where our goal is to shine a light on those cases that never really received the media attention that they needed, that they deserved. And the case of Christopher Brian Mitchell might sound familiar to you. We actually covered it about a year ago on the podcast, but I wanted to revisit his story. As a quick reminder, make sure you're following us over on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We do post updates over there as we get them, and it will keep you in the loop to any developments in any of these cases. I want to give a quick shout out and welcome to our newest patrons, Luke and Allison. Welcome and thank you so much for supporting our show and our mission. We just concluded our Lost in the Ozarks series over on Patreon, so stay tuned for what's coming next. I'm also super excited to tell you that this episode is sponsored by an author, Eve S. Evans, whose new release, Beneath the Water, a psychological thriller, is actually out today on Amazon. We'll hear more on her in a bit, and the link will be in our show notes as well. So now let's jump into the story of Christopher Brian Mitchell. Again, this is a case that received little to no attention when it happened and since it happened in 2018. Yet there are elements to this story that make it a very suspicious disappearance and make you wonder what happened to Christopher or Brian as he was known and why haven't authorities stepped up the game to search for him and solve this case. There are people living in Brandon, Mississippi and Jackson, Mississippi that have never heard the name Christopher Brian Mitchell and yet he vanished from their city, from their town. Christopher Brian Mitchell, who I'm going to refer to as Brian from here on out, as that is what he was most known by, was a 32-year-old young man in 2018. 
He was a popular hairstylist at the Detangled Salon and had a ton of regular clients. And his clients loved him. Not much is known about Brian's earlier life, or even much at all regarding his personal life at the time of his disappearance, but I will share with you what we do know. Aside from being a popular hairstylist in the area, Brian was married to Ben, and together they lived in Brandon, Mississippi. Brandon is just a few miles to the east of the capital city of Jackson, Mississippi. We also know at some point in his life, Brian struggled with addiction and spent some time in rehabs in the past. And this is one of the factors that is believed to have played a role in the lack of search efforts for him. Like many who have a history, a history of addiction especially, when they go missing, it is often brushed off as they wandered off or they relapsed or they had an episode and not much is really done for them, especially in the beginning. And that is the time it is most crucial to jump on these cases, to find evidence, clues, and find the person. The longer we wait, the more difficult it becomes. Even with surveillance footage, most CCTV is only kept or stored for 24 to 48 hours. After that, the footage is gone. So we know that on Saturday, May 19th, Brian went to work, per usual. After his shift, he went to go visit with some friends in Jackson. In fact, I believe the woman was actually Brian's friend, and she was living with a live-in boyfriend in the King Edward Apartments, or King Edward Hotel. It's actually referred to either way. It was believed that he would be spending the night with them on that evening, although it isn't really clear why. And I don't want to say that he may or may not have relapsed because his drug use during this time really isn't known at all. And I don't want to speculate. And his visit with this friend could be completely innocent. On that night, people have come forward to say that they saw Brian talking to some homeless men in the area and offering them water. The only other fact that we know for sure is that at 2 a.m., Brian called his husband, Ben, but Ben didn't answer. He was asleep and Brian didn't leave a voicemail. When Brian didn't return home in the days that followed, Ben started asking around for him. Brian was also not answering his phone. No one could reach him. The friends whose place he was known to be staying at said that he had walked out of the apartment in the middle of the night and they hadn't seen him again after that. He had just walked off and they had no idea where he was going. His truck was found, parked just where he had left it with no clues or hints as to where Brian may have gone. And when Brian's truck was found, the Jackson police were notified. However, they weren't interested in investigating or looking for any evidence in or around the truck. Instead, they actually told Ben to just take the truck back to his home. For some reason, friends and family did believe that Brian was possibly mentally unstable, and they went around passing out flyers in Jackson and asking for people to watch out for him, but not to approach him. The reason was they felt if he was trying to stay hidden and it came out that people were looking for him, he might vanish again or leave the area. So they urged caution with everybody that they spoke to, but they were desperately trying to find Brian. This might also have played a role in fewer people looking for Brian. After all, he was an adult. If he wanted to go somewhere or disappear, that was certainly within his right. 
A few volunteer, not law enforcement, searches were organized in the months that followed, although they would end up being canceled. A family advocate did start investigating since the police department would not. And while I agree it's frustrating when law enforcement doesn't help and take these cases seriously, it has also been said that the Jackson PD is a very understaffed and highly overworked department. But to me, these are the cases where outside help is needed, such as the state police, the FBI, search and rescue organizations, unless they too in the area are understaffed and overworked. As people close to Brian started asking around, some interesting things were learned. And a few commented about the unreliability of the people at the apartment that he was last known to be at, that King Edwards apartment building. Rumors started to circulate that the live-in boyfriend of the woman at the apartment had become very angry at Brian after learning that Brian took a video of him. I'm not sure the nature of the video or the reason or even if this story is true. And the female that lived there, this alleged friend of Brian's, also told a story that Brian had taken a key fob, a key fob that is used to access the apartment building. And when they followed up with the building supervisor to see if they could pull some records to see when and if that key fob was used, they learned that it was used for several days after Brian's alleged disappearance. So was Brian still there coming and going? Or was this woman lying about the key fob? This information, all of this information, was also passed on to police with the hopes that they would pull and look at surveillance footage from the apartment building and nearby businesses in that area. But they did not. And of course, that footage is now long gone. I did a little bit of looking into these King Edwards apartments because it's also referred to as a hotel, and it kind of made me wonder if it was a place for transients or if people live there long term. It kind of gives me Cecil Hotel vibes. The King Edward Hotel is actually a historical landmark for Jackson and even for the state of Mississippi. It was built in 1923 and closed in 1966. It was renovated and reopened in 2009 as a combination of hotel and apartments. The hotel portion is flagged as a Hilton Garden Inn and managed as such. It also is home to a bar, a restaurant, and a coffee shop. The apartments there can be rented to this day for $1,420 a month, $1,420. And it looks like this was in a pretty rough area at one point, but there's been some efforts to revitalize it. And it might also be worth noting that both a Greyhound bus station and an Amtrak station are close by, very close by, increasing the chances that one could easily walk out of the King Edward apartment building and over to either the Greyhound station or the Amtrak station and disappear from the area. So the few searches that do happen, mostly from friends and volunteers, turn up nothing. And sightings of Brian in the area are non-existent. No one comes forward. Finally, they learn that Brian's cell phone last pinged near Del Rio Street and the Jackson Fire Department. However, the phone itself has never been found. 
That area near Del Rio does have railroad tracks running through it, although it is mostly a residential, lightly commercial area. Some small shops and fast food restaurants, but mostly homes. It is also about four and a half miles from the King Edward Apartments. The police were aware of this cell phone activity and still no official searches were conducted at all in that area. And it's also unknown if Brian perhaps knew someone who lived over in that area. What was the reason for him being there? If he did go off on his own, was he maybe staying with someone else that he knew in one of those houses? Although that doesn't explain where he went from there and why his cell phone completely stopped pinging. Or did he maybe end up in that area unwillingly? Are there areas nearby to hide evidence or even a body? Looking at the map, there is a rather large body of water nearby, Lake Hiko. However, Lake Hiko is closed to the public and a large fence surrounds the entire perimeter of the lake. Not that fences can stop people completely, but certainly makes it more difficult. Interestingly, the lake is owned by an energy company that last year elected to shut down their power plant and drain the lake. From what I can tell, it looks like they have started the draining process of the lake, although I don't know where that's at today. If you are local to that area, I'd love to hear what you know about that lake and that process over there. There are some nearby park and recreation areas too, including the closest one, La Fleur's Bluff State Park, which consists of over 300 acres. Before we continue on with the theories in Brian's disappearance, let's have a quick word from today's sponsor. And you guys are going to love this one. One of my goals for this summer was to do more reading, and this is right up my alley. I think you're going to love it. An accident claimed her daughter's lives. Her husband's life hangs in the balance, and Rue feels like she's losing her mind. A brand new psychological thriller from author Eve S. Evans, available for pre-order today. As Rue tries to figure out how to be alone in the family home, strange noises, voices, and shadows reveal themselves to her. More questions bubble to the surface. Are Rue's daughters haunting her? If so, why? And why can't she remember what happened when they went off the bridge into the icy water below? Beneath the Water, a psychological thriller. Available on Amazon June 29, 2022 by author Eve S. Evans. I'll have the link for you in our show notes and I'll post it over on social media as well. So we really have two schools of thought here. Brian left the area willingly, purposefully, or Brian met with foul play. It seems that those close to Brian did have some concern about his mental state and possible drug use did he relapse. They also said that being gay in Mississippi can be a tough way of life. Maybe Brian did just get up and leave. Although, where was he getting money? Was he hitting the streets? And why did he abandon his truck? Brian also had family trying to reach out and find him, thinking that maybe he was alive, living a transient lifestyle. However, 
since no one has heard from him since May of 2018, everyone is convinced that Brian is likely no longer alive. So there's a few different specific thoughts that involve foul play here. Number one, something happened to Brian in that apartment or at the hands of the people that lived there. This rumor has circulated that the couple that lived there had ties to the infamous street gang, the Simon City Royals. The Royals are known to have a lot of law enforcement in their back pockets, especially in that area. Or at the very least, law enforcement that doesn't want to come down on them as hard as they should. Which is interesting, since they are one of the largest and most deadly gangs in America. Number two, Brian met with foul play on the streets. If Brian was involved in the drug scene, any number of things could have happened. A drug deal gone bad. Wrong place at the wrong time. Number three, Brian was robbed on the streets. If he was frequenting bad areas, this is also a possibility, which kind of ties in with number two. But if this is the case, just a random robbery, the fact that they have hid Brian so well up until now is pretty unusual. Or lastly, could Brian have overdosed? But again, then where is he? Unless whomever he was with panicked and freaked out when he did and took his body somewhere, which has been known to happen. In the beginning, Brian's husband, Ben, and his sister were active, at least on social media, looking for Brian. They put up missing posters. They started a Facebook page. The Facebook page is Help Find Christopher Brian Mitchell. However, since then, there were some people behind the scenes continuing to search, but most people have stopped looking. The family has said they do believe Brian is no longer with us. And that definitely seems likely. Although we have absolutely zero evidence to prove that he's alive or not. It also seems odd to me that state agencies and other organizations didn't step in to assist in the search for Brian, especially after his truck was found and the phone records were in. And sadly, Brian's mother, who had hoped and prayed for answers for her son, has since passed away not knowing what happened to Brian. Brian and his husband, Ben, had been together for five years, and Ben had this to say about Brian. Quote, the main thing he always does is he tries to make people laugh and feel better no matter how he feels. He considers other people's feelings. That's why we know he wouldn't do this unless there's something wrong and we just want to find him. End quote. One day. There was a bright, smiling, laughing young man chatting away with his clients in his salon chair, cutting hair and cutting jokes. The next day, his chair sat empty. No laughter filled the room. A husband sat at home wondering where the love of his life had gone. Family wonders where their son and where their brother is. Friends remember the smiling face and selflessness of Brian Mitchell. Yet, there are no answers. As far as we know, there are no clues either, aside from the phone records. 
There is no trail to follow. There is just nothing. Christopher Brian Mitchell was 32 years old when he vanished in May of 2018. He is described as a Caucasian man, 5 foot 10 inches tall and weighing around 160 pounds. He has brownish reddish hair and green eyes. His given name is Christopher, but he usually just goes by Brian. Brian has a few tattoos on his neck. He has the letter B in Old English script on the left side, the number 22 on the right side, and EST 1986 on the back. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Christopher Brian Mitchell or any knowledge at all regarding his case, please call the Jackson Police Department at 601-960-1234. I really encourage you also to go like the Facebook page that was set up for Brian. Help find Christopher Brian Mitchell. While there isn't much going on right now, and we're going on four years missing, we need to reinvigorate the search for Brian and the search for answers. The more support that page gets, the bigger of an audience it can reach. Please share his name and his story any way you can. Someone definitely knows something. Thank you so much for listening to Brian's story today. We don't know much on his case, and you may even recall us covering it last year. But it's definitely a story that I've continued to think about throughout the months since we've covered it. There's really been no developments in the case. I really think with a good media push and some attention, this case can be solved. We can find Brian. Thank you, everyone who has supported us over on Patreon so far also. We really appreciate the support. It does help us work with our charity partners and the families in the future. If you're interested in joining us over on Patreon, you can find more information at patreon.com slash wherearetheypodcast. And the link is also in the show notes for you. And a big, big thank you to this episode's sponsor, author Eve S. Evans. The link to her book will be posted on social media, and we'll have that in the notes for you as well. Definitely go check it out. If you have any feedback or case suggestions for us, you can always hit me up on social media, or you can email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. Thank you again for your continued support of our show. Our goal is to bring awareness to these cases, the cases that you most likely hadn't heard of before. We will have an episode up on Patreon this weekend. And of course, we will be back next week with another Unsolved Missing Persons episode. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.